In the 480th year after the children of Israel had come out of Egypt, notice specifically in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, and even more specifically in the month of Ziv, which is the second month that he, Solomon, began to build the house of the Lord. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. For 480 years, Israel lived in the Promised Land without a temple. The tabernacle served the nation well for more than 400 years. The prompting to build the temple was more at the direction and will of God than out of absolute necessity. There is some evidence that it took three years to prepare timber from Lebanon for use in building. If Solomon began the construction of the temple in the fourth year of his reign— He probably started organizing the construction in the very first year of his reign. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins chapter 6 in the book of 1 Kings. And we've been making our way through this as we have been looking at the, the beginning of Solomon's reign. And we've been looking at Solomon's reign in relationship to the promises that God had given to David And I would encourage you, if there's one scripture passage that you commit to memory, even if it's just the reference itself, is 2 Kings, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 7, really verses 10 through, I think, 15. And and that really speaks to, or you can actually back it up to verse 8 through 15, and that gives the whole context. But it's just God's way of encouraging David that upon his throne, that as long as he, was, he continued, he, David, and his sons, as long as they continued to obey the Lord and to be faithful, they would not cease to be a king on the throne, on the throne of Judah, and over all of Israel, actually. And we know that David had passed from the scene, and Solomon came into his reign, and David, having provided everything for his son, all the materials that he needed for the, the temple to be built... Because remember, the temple at this time uh, hadn't been built. In fact, all they had was the tabernacle. And the tabernacle went through many hundreds of years through, um, you know, through Israel's history, you know, 40 years in the desert. And finally, they parked it in Shiloh. And then you know, from there, it, uh, it stayed there for quite a while and moved to a few other places. And then finally, you know, David, after the tabernacle, I'm sure, is just kind of falling apart. David decides when he comes into his reign, remember, one of the first things he does is he brings the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, and then David made a covering or a tabernacle for the Ark of the Covenant. And it remained there in Zion, which is right to the south of the Temple Mount that you and I know today. It's called Zion, uh, and, and that's the, the city of David. 
And it was conquered by uh, David and Joab, which was his nephew. Remember, they conquered it from the Jebusites because the name of the town, the city, uh, was called Jabus. Uh, and that's where we get, you know, Jebusites. It was Jabus, but then it was renamed to Jerusalem, the city of God. And so now David, as he, his reign comes and goes, he's the Ark of the Covenant still in this tabernacle that David had erected for it. And David had it in his heart, remember, to build a house for God. And God was like, are you serious, David? You know, when have I ever asked to be in a temple? I'm the God who created the heavens and the earth and the universe, for that matter. I hold the universe in the span of my hand, and um, uh, the heaven of heavens can't even contain me. You don't need to build me a house, David, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll build you a house. And the house that he's talking about is his lineage. And ultimately, it would find its summation in who? Jesus Christ. From David, you know, from, from Adam, all the way down through you know, um, you know, to Abraham, and then from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then the 12 uh, sons of Jacob, and one specifically, Judah, and then finally going down through history, then finally to King David, and going further on into history, finally Joseph and Mary, who were li- of that lineage of the tribe of Judah, and certainly Jesus is born through the line of Judah. And so now, God says, I'll make you a house. But you can't build it, David, because your hands are filled with blood. You're a warrior. But what I am going to do is I'm going to allow your son to build me a house. And he will have a time of peace. In fact, you remember me saying this, that this time during Solomon's reign was a golden era for Israel. Because they've never experienced uh, 40 years of what they experienced during Solomon's reign. In fact, they won't uh, experience this kind of thing until the millennial reign, which is yet future to us. Israel has always undergone, uh, they've undergone persecution. The Jewish people have always gone under persecution. Anti-Semitism, even today, is, is very high, very high. And so God is going to bring his very presence into Jerusalem and he's going to rest there between the cherubim when Solomon builds this temple and so David prepares it and finally we get to this passage and if you remember last time we were together we looked at chapter 5 and this is where Hiram who was the king of Tyre he was also the king over the over Sidon which is actually to the north of Israel and 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 the, the place that you and I would call today Lebanon or Phoenicia. That was the area. But King Tyre had this wonderful relationship with Solomon's father, David. They had a confederacy. They, they, were, they, were, they saw eye to eye, and there was no problems between them. In fact, Hiram, the king of Tyre, he actually gave David all the lumber and all the materials to build his own palace and, and everything that David needed. And now we're going to see that after David passes from the scene, this same Hiram, this same man, sees in Solomon the same God who is over all, and he wants to help him too. And he's like, you know, Solomon, I was friends with your father. I gave him everything he needed, and now you're his son, and I see the hand of God upon you, and I, am going, I want to help in this endeavor, and whatever you need. 
and Solomon sent and his men worked with Hiram's men. And they developed a system of floating logs, cypress and um, uh, logs in the Mediterranean all the way down the coast down to the area Joppa, which is right around Tel Aviv today. And then they would take those logs off the rafts and they would load them onto mules or some kind of transit system all across the uh, going from uh, east to uh, or west to east uh, until they got to Jerusalem. And so Hiram did that. And so now we get to chapter 6, verse 1. And notice what it says. It says, it came to pass. And let's just read through the first 13 verses and then we'll go back. It says, it came to pass in the 400th and 80th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel in the month of Ziph, which is the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord. Now the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, its length was 60 cubits, its width 20, and its height 30 cubits, and the vestibule in front of the sanctuary of the house was 20 cubits long across the width of the house, and the width of the vestibule extended 10 cubits from the front of the house, and he made for the house windows with beveled frames." And against the wall of the temple, he built chambers all around, against the walls of the temple, all around the sanctuary and the inner sanctuary. Thus he made side chambers all around it. And the lowest chamber was five cubits wide, the middle chamber was six cubits wide, and the third was seven cubits wide, for he made narrow ledges around the outside of the temple so that the support beams would not be fastened into the walls of the temple. And the temple, when it was being built, was built with stone finished at the quarry so that no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. The doorway for the middle story was on the right side of the temple, which is um, on the uh, south side, and they went up by stairs to the middle story and from the middle to the third. And so he built the temple and finished it, and he paneled the temple with beams and boards of cedar, and he built side chambers against the entire temple each five cubits high, and they were attached to the, the temple with cedar beams. And then the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, Concerning this temple which you are building, notice the conditional statement. I'm really big on conditional statements in the Bible because they're, they're, there's a condition attached to them. If, I, if you do this, then I will do this. And we'll talk about that more when we get. But notice, he says, If you walk in my statutes, executing my judgments, keep all my commandments, and walk in them, then I will perform my word which you, with you, excuse me, which I spoke to your father David, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. <clears throat> and so here God gives Solomon a, a warning and we're, you're going to find that as we go through this tonight that we're going to be touching on some passages that where God is warning. And God doesn't give warnings for no reason. There's a reason. God doesn't waste his breath. Anytime time in the scripture, whenever God repeats himself, it may seem to you like, why is he repeating this again? It's because of the severity of it. And so when God repeats himself, he, we better pay attention because he's trying to get something across to us. And re repetition is how we learn. I mean, that's how we learned in school, isn't it? By repetition. Most people learn by repetition. 
You smack your hammer enough when you're a carpenter, by repetition, you learn not to do that again. So you get better at it, right, after your thumb nearly falls off, right? And so by repetition, he he warns him, and for good reason. And why is that? Because God, remember, he's omniscient and he's omnipresent, which means he's in all places at once. He can't learn anything. He knows all things. He knows our very next breath. He knows what we're going to speak tomorrow at noon. He knows exactly. He could repeat to us and tell us where we would be, what we would be thinking if he so chose. And see, that's the God that we serve. He, he's all-knowing. It's not a problem for him. He doesn't even have to strain. It's not like you and I. We have to really think about it. And God, it's very natural for him. He doesn't even have to think. He doesn't have to work at it because he's almighty God. But he knows Solomon's heart. And he loves Solomon. Now let me ask you a question before we get into this. Knowing what we're going to find out about Solomon, how he had uh, got caught up in idolatry, which we're going to see very soon. Knowing that information, which God certainly did, why didn't God just deal with him from the very beginning? Well, he did. He warned him. Because God knew what was coming. And God makes sure that you and I are accountable to his word. And when he says something, he's saying it not because we don't understand, but because we need to know, we need to remember what he's saying. And several times God is going to say this, not only to David, but he's going to say it to Solomon as well. He's going to make him accountable because there's going to come a time where Solomon is going to, um, you know, he's going to reap what he sowed. Now God wasn't going to take away his mercy like he took away from Saul before David, his father, God you know, allowed Saul to be destroyed in an army with the Philistines in a battle. But God wasn't going to do that with Solomon. But he was going to taste the, the repercussions of his choices. It was going to be a very, very bitter pill. But it wouldn't be until after Solomon that things really started to fall apart. And see, there's always a consequence for disobedience. There's always a consequence for rebellion. Always. It never goes well. And, and the, the, the scary thing is, is we get away with it for a time, and then we think God didn't see, that it's okay, that we're going to get away with it. But God has a perfect memory, and we're not going to get away with it. You know, the, some of these men that are on, you know, um, you know I, I see stuff like this all the time. You know, where there's some mass murderer in Rochester, and he's, he's an old man, and there was all a suspicion about him that he was the guy who did all these murders, and he's gotten off scot-free because there's no evidence. And now, with technology, they do a DNA test, and they nail him to the wall. <laughs> they uncover everything, and now he's doing time in his last several years. He's spending the rest of his time in a jail, in a prison somewhere. And rightly so. But there are consequences, and God is making sure that Solomon, do you understand what I'm saying? If you continue to walk in my statutes and my judgments, then I will do this, then I will do this. But if you don't, you're going to be in trouble, Solomon. And we're going to see the whole nation fall apart after Solomon. And it really begins, and again, I I love this period in their history because it's a period without turmoil. So notice in verse 1, again, it says, And it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt. Notice, and I, would, I put a star by this first verse. This is very important. 
in the 480th year after the children of Israel had come out of Egypt, notice specifically in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, and even more specifically in the month of Ziv, which is the second month that he, Solomon, began to build the house of the Lord Circle that whole entire verse if you have to. Put a star by it because this is one of those things. You know, and, and verse 1 tells us the month and the year when the temple began construction. And uh, again, remember, up to this time, the children of Israel, uh, since they had come out of Egypt, they had only had the tabernacle. But by, by this time, it was in bad shape. And, uh, and David had to build another tabernacle for the ark. But notice what it says in Second Chronicles. You might want to put a footnote off to the verse 1 there and put Second Chronicles chapter 3, verse 2. And the reason is, is because it gives us a little more information about when specifically this temple began to be built. And, and I love this because God didn't leave it to chance. He made sure that the, the exact time was known. And it says in Second Chronicles 3, verse 2, And Solomon and he began to build on the second day of the second month in the fourth year of his reign. Now, why is this such a big deal? Why am I making such a big deal of it? Well, because this is how we are able to determine the events in the Bible. Because once we have specific descriptors like this, and, and there's a number of them throughout the Bible, it is easier to build a timeline based on other events that occurred that have been dated in, unanimously, even in secular history. See, the Bible doesn't say this happened in 32 AD. Because honestly, all this stuff that we're talking about now didn't have a date assigned to it, really, until after Jesus was born. And then they started recalibrating time, didn't they? About when things happened. Why? Because of the, the birth of Christ. It was, you know, seven, you know, 586 BC when the, you know, Nebuchadnezzar came against Jerusalem before Christ. Right? So they know when Jesus was born, and they also started to relate to events as either before Christ or in the year of our Lord after he after he was born. Do you follow me? And so by having these descriptors here in the Bible, and there's many of them, it's easy, even secular history, they keep track of dates. The Bible is not, it is a history book, but it's not just a history book. It's more than that. It's a book of redemption. It doesn't mean that you can't follow dates and, and, and put, a, put a timeline together. You can certainly do that. But, but you can go to outside sources to find that stuff very easily, and, and, and that we have. That we have. But notice, the house of the Lord, and then in, uh, in, in chapter 6 here, in verse 38, notice what it says, that it gives us the date that it was finished on. It gives us a specific date. You might want to put on verse 1, just put on uh, uh, verse 38, and, and then you can look at verse 38. It's at the very end of this chapter. So the first verse and the last verse give us the beginning, when, it was, when the, the temple began, and verse 38 gives us, it says, In the eleventh year, in the month of Bull, which is the eighth month, the house was finished in all its details and according to all its plans, so he was seven years in building it. And actually, it, it, seven years is a round number, but it was actually seven and a half years. Because it was in the first, in the second month, and now you're looking at the eighth, eighth month in the eleventh year or whatever, so you do the math, it's really seven years and six months, but they just round it to seven years. It does no big deal here. But if we think about this and why this is so wonderful, this verse, this very first verse, 
is that we know that Solomon, his reign began in 971 B.C. And so, in the fourth year of his reign would be 967 B.C., correct? And then if we go back 480 years, which is what it tells us in verse 1, then we give, with that date comes to 1447 B.C., and that's the date. That's the hard date when Israel came out of Egypt. And so now, everything in the Bible, as you go through things, now you can start relating things to these things and building your timeline. And, and it's good to do that. As you become students of the Word, don't be afraid to do that. And take the Word at, a, at, its, um, at face value and start doing these things. And, and you'll get a broader understanding of when things happen and how they happened. And it really helps you to put things into place. And that means then that at the Jews enjoyed, and, and when the temple was completed, because we know it took seven years, they enjoyed the completed temple from 960 BC until 586. A total of 374 years. That's all they had to enjoy that temple once it was completed. Because in 606, we know that Nebuchadnezzar came against it. And he sieged it for 20 years. Do you understand what a siege is? They, they just surround it and they try to starve them out. Get them to surrender. They don't attack them. They just build a siege all the way around it. And so he did that for 20 years. But then what happened in 586? He said, enough's enough. We're done here and we're going to torch this place. And that's exactly what he did. He took many Jews back to Babylon. Three deportments of Jews, it tells us, in Daniel and other places. Now look at verse 2. It says, Now the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, notice dimensions, its length was 60 cubits and its width 20 cubits and its height 30 cubits. A cubit is about 18 inches. Usually they uh, develop the cubit from the elbow to the tip of the finger, but you know everybody's a little bit different. So it's roughly 18 inches. Uh, there's another cubit, which is about 21 inches. So we don't really know what cubit they're using, but we'll just stick with 18 because that's the common, uh, the common thing. So that, that means that the temple was 90 feet long. It was 30 feet wide, if you do the math, and 45 feet high, according to the standard uh, cubit. And the Holy of Holies, which was only a third of that, so you had 60 was the, the, the main part, the, the nave, if you will, the holy place. And then you had the Holy of Holies, which is a 30 by 30 cube. That was the place where the Ark of the Covenant was. And that was the only piece of furniture in there other than the cherubim that were over the Ark of the Covenant. And so notice now going on in verse 3, it says, The vestibule in front of the sanctuary of the house was 20 cubits long across the width of the house. And the width of the vestibule extended ten cubits from the front of the house. And Solomon made for the house windows with beveled frames. And against the wall of the temple, he built chambers all around. Against the walls of the temple, all around the sanctuary and the inner sanctuary. Thus he made side chambers all around. And they would use these side chambers for uh, places for the priests to gather. For places of storage uh, and things of that nature. And they were all surrounding the the, the main part of the, of the temple. So you had uh, the main, the Holy of Holies. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.